0: Back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete and Lisa.
1: A jury found disgraced South Carolina attorney Alex Murdoch guilty of brutally murdering his wife and younger son at the family's home last year. Let's welcome in attorney Rich Lenkoff from Downey and Lenkoff. Rich, so many questions about this trial. Six weeks. 70 witnesses, the jury began deliberating at lunch on Thursday. They had a verdict by dinner time. Is three hours enough time to convict a man?
0: Apparently, yes, right? I mean, the um, magic and maybe mystery of our jury system is that there is no set minimum. Always when a jury deliberates this quickly, that's always a good sign for the prosecution. It means inherently that they're not struggling with anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. likely when they got back in that room, they probably had pretty close to a unanimous verdict. There might have been a couple of holdouts, but the fact they only deliberated, to your point, for a short period after such a long and high profile trial means that they were pretty convinced, in my opinion, of the evidence.
1: They're saying that Alex Murdoch made a huge mistake by taking the stand. When he took the stand, I thought to myself, oh my God, why (laughs) is he doing that?
0: Yeah, it's a gamble. You do that as a defense lawyer because you think that your client, in this case, the, the convicted murderer, will provide more beneficial testimony than detrimental, right? Obviously, and uh, in this case, they didn't believe him, and I think they didn't believe him because the prosecution did a good job, despite the lack of actual direct evidence, right? Let's remember that. Despite that, prosecution right. did a very good job in showing that he was a liar, and I think the jury believed that. If he lied about everything else, then he was probably lying on the stand and lying about his uh, his his whereabouts that night and and whether he committed a murder.
2: I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like he was the one pressing for himself to take the stand. He is an attorney. He is. He thinks he's this person who can't get caught. He's part of this family dynasty that has gotten away with so much over the years. Do you think that he himself was the one pushing for this or his counsel?
0: Good question. We don't know for sure, but I think you're right. I mean, I watched his testimony over a couple of days very closely, and I also found, I agree with you, that he he was somewhat arrogant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he testified at all was pro- – I mean, listen, you can't testify without choosing, so there's no question that he decided to do so voluntarily. I agree with you. He was probably pushing it. His lawyers probably thought that all things being equal – He would not help the case, so I agree. We don't know for sure. We might never know, but I agree with you. He was probably the one pushing it.
1: Rich, let's walk through circumstantial versus direct evidence. Let me give you a few things. No witnesses, little DNA evidence, no murder weapon, no blood-soaked clothes. Prosecution's case consisted of Murdoch's lies and data from his cell phone. So much data from his cell phone. That and his
0: lying with the kennel video, right? The kennel video, as we now know, is very important. He changed the story about being in a kennel that I think was, you know, the closest to a smoking gun. But you're absolutely right, Pete. There was no direct evidence. But the law, as the prosecutor pointed out in his summary, makes no distinction between direct and circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial sounds like, you know, it sounds like it's not reliable because the word sounds, well, it's circumstantial. In fact, circumstantial evidence is as credible as direct evidence. Now, any part of that that circumstantial evidence can be judged by the jury to be not credible. But in and of itself, there really is no distinction per the instructions that the judge gave the jury between those two. And just to give your listeners kind of an example, that actually the prosecutor used kind of a common way to explain to juries. You walk in and – or you look outside and you see it's raining – you know, you know it's raining. That's direct evidence that it's raining. You see your friend walk in the house and they're soaked and they open and they close an umbrella and they take off their raincoat. That You assume it's raining, right? That's circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence of, of it's raining. It doesn't mean that someone outside didn't, you know, throw a bucket of water on them. But that's not a reasonable assumption. It's reasonable to assume that when someone's wearing a raincoat, and they close their umbrella, and you hear rain that it was raining. So that's kind of a, an illustration of the difference between the two. They're both equally reliable in the eyes of the law.
1: Rich, why no uh, DNA evidence? Did they botch the crime scene? Because what about footprints? What about tire marks? What happened?
0: Yeah, there was, there was a little
1: DNA evidence. There
0: was, I think, on day 16, um, evidence uh, from the... South Carolina State uh, Investigation Department that there was some evidence. The problem was two things. They, they did box some of the evidence. They did not match the DNA to the National Data Bank, which is kind of like, you know, almost malpractice. That is the standard because you want to see if there's a match outside the family. The second thing is there was DNA on his shorts and his T-shirt, but he was related to the, to the victims, so they couldn't quite mm-hmm. make much of it. So right. the DNA evidence was pretty much not... Considered much by the jury
1: we were uh texting this week i can't get past the motive by the prosecutors i thought it was weak the prosecutors claim that alex murdoch killed his wife and son to gain sympathy and distract from his financial wrongdoings i thought that was so weak why would they why would he ever think that way i know he's nuts or allegedly he's nuts but is that a strong motive not a strong motive, but a
0: motive, right? In the absence of a compelling motive that explains that a jury's going to latch on to almost anything. And I totally agree with you. This was a weak motive. And in fact, the defense lawyer yesterday, in summation, was explaining to the jury, why would anyone who was acting rationally murder their wife and child over financial issues? That was his plea to the jury. That might make sense sort of when you look at it, but you know, the answer is, well, this guy wasn't acting rationally. So I didn't think that was a great argument, but... Listen, the other ulterior motive uh, in an effort to raise reasonable doubt by the defense was that this was a vigilante, that this was someone in the many thousands or or more who were angry at the son, Paul, over his involvement in that boat accident that killed a girl. So his theory was that, you know, there's a random vigilante who who went from being an online stalker or angry person to to killing him. But that was kind of weak as well, so...
2: I think the motive was actually strong. You have a guy who is a a part of a family dynasty, well-respected in the community, revered, feared. He's about to be busted for stealing money from clients, from embezzling, from having an opioid addiction. And he's probably high when he's making some of these choices. I could see him trying everything to try to save the family name.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, sure. That's again the successful argument that the prosecution made, but it seems a bit of a stretch to think. I mean, why would you jump to double murder, right, with with a high powered gun? You know, the crime scene <laughs> was obviously a mess. I mean, he literally, right. like, you know, yeah. blew the. Wouldn't case that
1: out. draw more attention to the family? I guess it would right. take the attention off him and then they would look at the murders. We're but...
2: thinking as rational human beings. We're I, not desperate.
1: I understand. we taking we're 60 high. opioids a day. Yes. We're, okay. we're
2: thinking clearly and, and we don't have anything to lose sitting here right now.
1: Rich, back to the murder weapon. There wasn't a murder weapon that was found. Uh, Well, that's a good question. I mean, there was no murder
0: weapon. Um, There were were similar. The argument that they made to the jury was that this individual Murdaugh had a lot of other weapons, similar weapons, and that he must have disposed of it somehow. So, you know, again, you're right, Pete, in saying that generally the absence of a murder weapon is difficult, is a difficult obstacle to overcome. But not always. It wasn't here. I mean, there was, you know, there was enough other evidence that the uh, the jury latched onto very quickly.
1: Back to the uh, data for a second. GM's OnStar showed his Chevy speeding to his mother's house. So they just assumed, was he trying to get away from something or trying to flee a murder? And once at his mother's house, they looked at his phone. He was pacing outside for a long period of time. Was he hiding something? Again... Circumstantial. I'm not an attorney, but I look at this and say, "Oh my gosh, they are they are tracking your phone. They are tracking where you drive. They are tracking everything, and using this data to convict a man for murder."
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, he left at night. I think it was after 9 p.m. And per his phone, he drove night. I think it was 42 miles an hour past where Maggie's phone was. He then sped up. And this is again, as you mentioned, according to the OnStar. And at one point he was driving 74 miles an hour. He had said that he was at his mom's house for like 40 minutes. He was actually only there for 21 minutes. And then the pacing thing was compelling. I mean, prosecutor asked him, were you, were you exercising? Were you jogging? You know, again, like you have to understand the difference. And everyone does between looking at a case, you know, on paper yeah, yeah. and breaking it down that way. And what's compelling to a jury, a jury very smart people, but it's just 12 regular people. And all of this evidence, maybe one of those things in and of itself would not be compelling. Maybe maybe you could explain away the pacing. But everything else, I think the prosecutors did a good job in painting a puzzle and saying, just use your common sense. Who would act this way, in this suspicious way, in so many different aspects if they were innocent?
1: Right. He's been disbarred. Uh, he's going to be tried. Is he still going to be tried? I guess he's still going to be tried For on his embezzlement. Yes, to get yeah. that money back. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's
0: like, what, 99 other charges? He will be
1: charged on those. Just crazy. And uh, I sent both of you this. I just want to play a little bit of the sound from oh, OJ no. Simpson oh, chiming no. in on Twitter. When I
0: was incarcerated uh, in one of my cases, after the police officers had testified in my case, uh, all of the sheriff's department—they ran the jail, not the prison—but they ran the jail, and that's why I was being housed. Uh, they said, "You're going home," and I said, "Well, how can you guys be so sure?" They said, "When a jury sees somebody is lying, especially police officers, uh, they won't convict." And like it or not, those police officers was pretty. Uh, apparent that they were lying about stuff. Well, uh, that seemed to be the case here with Murdoch. The One thing that the jury must have seen is that the guy's a liar, and once the guy's a liar, you can't believe
1: anything he says. Don't you just want to punch O.J. in the mouth? Yes.
0: Great to see O.J. back providing excellent uh, murder analysis from... <laughs> I mean- you know, if, if anyone knows how to get away with murder, it's our friend OJ. But um, yeah, yeah, that my my phone blew up with all of those last night. No self awareness whatsoever. Did OJ do it, Rich? One hundred percent, he did it. There's no. I mean, think of the evidence in the OJ case. But again, it's you know that's why I'm surprised a little bit in this case. I, I thought there was enough. I thought there was enough reasonable doubt. Remember, all you have to get is a, a, an inkling of reasonable doubt right. in the mind of one juror, and you walk. And I thought there was enough. As we've talked about now, given the strangeness of killing your family members over this, I thought there was enough
1: reasonable doubt, but apparently not. Rich, case for appeal here since uh, one of the jurors was dismissed? Very, very small. Um, You know, that's why you have alternate
0: jurors. Um, The juror had a bunch of hard-boiled eggs in the jury room, which uh, made the whole whole courtroom chuckle. Yeah, (laughs) very, very small. There's always going to be an appeal. There's always going to be some questions of error. The question is whether it's, reversible error whether it's an egregious mistake uh, i don't see that but i think that uh, any any appellate court will allow those in but that, that would be the question whether evidence that he was a bad person otherwise should have been allowed in to prove his guilt in a murder case
1: rich lencoff from downey and lencoff thank you brother appreciate it see you in milwaukee my <laughs> rich and i are meeting in milwaukee to see springsteen <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs>
2: more of the pete mcmurray show next